Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And you might be thinking to yourself, it's Tuesday. What, what is, what, there's not, it's not normal lore day. No. It's not lorder, lorder day. Lord, that, lord day? Lord, lord, lord day? I don't know. It's October. It's spooky month. Yeah. It's all, it's all very confusing, except we it's do know true. it's October. It's spooky month. And what happens at the end of spooky month? Trick or treat. So what did we get? A treat. We got you a treat. Um, in keeping with our D&D Lorecast Presents mm-hmm. series, we got an interview with Travis Bengroff from Bull and Scholar Productions, who are behind shows like The White Vault, uh, Liberty, and of course, Dark Dice, everyone's, at least everyone at the, at the D&D Lorecast, favorite horror podcast. This is true. Top tier. Just to you know, pick the mind of someone who does horror and does it well. Just in mm-hmm. case you are thinking of running your own horror one shot or mini campaign yes. you know, while while spooky season is upon us. I know I'm doing so um, in a few days and I'm very excited. Wow. Quick spoiler alert warning for the plot of Dark Dice seasons one and two comes at about 30 minutes and 45 seconds of the episode. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip about a minute ahead and you should be fine. Thanks. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump into our conversation with Travis. We're sitting with Travis Vengroff, uh, the, I would you say you're the creator, the, 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 the brains. Yeah. Creator, brains, editor, sound designer, music director, DM, all the, and, and, and cat herder, all the things, all the things. Uh, we, uh, we found, or Mary found you through dark dice and then, uh, said you should definitely listen to this, to this live play podcast. It's, it's incredible. I actually decided to go ahead and play D and D after listening to dark dice. So it's your fault, but also technically Peter Lewis's fault, I think, because yeah, that's how I got here. <laughs> oh, the very yes. dark and terrifying and twisted path but here we are yeah really really quickly uh travis just give us a rundown of of how people should know you uh so if you've heard of dark dice uh dark dice is a horror ttrpg actual play podcast with a bunch of editing and polish where uh six adventurers go off into the woods except one of them is actually not an adventure. It's a monster that's stalking them and replacing them as it kills them one by one called the Silent One. Will they survive? Will their minds uh, see things in the dark that maybe aren't there with unreliable narration? Find out. Come for the horror. Stay for the hurdy-gurdy dark dice. I also am the sound designer, editor, producer. Uh, I don't write. 
the stories. Uh, for Fool and Scholar Productions, we make, we're best known for The White Vault. We're also really mm -hmm. well known for Don't Mind Cruxmont, Vast Horizon, Liberty, and very soon, The Bore Knight, uh, which comes out next mm -hmm. week. Well, that's exciting. Tell us a little bit more about that one. Mm -hmm. So The Bore Knight, uh, also inspired by a D&D &D game, uh, our friends got gloves of animal friendship and made a sentient little boar who became a swine. And he became a heroic knight of boar's end and went off on his own adventures. And that is what this podcast is. So it's all ages friendly. It's about this boar who's he's already a hero. We don't need to go into that. So he's, he's going to go and try and uh, go on a, a very big quest. But every episode is kind of its own little story. And he's got two companions. And he, he only speaks through snorts, but everyone else understands him, um, sort of like R2-D2. Um, so his companions are this bard who's very, very scared. His name's uh, Winifred. Um, and then we also have uh, a warrior who will be joining him, Madred. And she's rather tough. And she decides to be the squire of Sir Nathaniel because ha having heard of his amazing adventures and every episode has a musical number. Um, and we've got no shortage of creativity on this thing. It's ridiculous. So, uh, and you can share it with your family and friends. It's, it is scripted. So I hope you don't hold that, hold that against us here. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I was yeah. going um, to say that, um, you know, you said Dark Dice is edited, very polished, which um, was immediately what I gravitated to. You mm -hmm. know, it's very much different from what's the norm, which is the like real time actual play podcast. And, right. you know, not to say that those are bad. I mean, those are entertaining as heck, mm -hmm. but something about Dark Dice and how it was more narrative driven than anything. And there's obviously like, you know, cues to D&D &D and to dice rolling. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of that, you know, sort of like the the mechanics of it was edited out in favor of the story. So what was the motivation behind that? When you're making a podcast, you can do one of two things. You can win on quantity or you can win on quality. I'm unable to compete on quantity because I work so much on podcasting all the time to make really tightly edited shows. My strength mm -hmm. is my sound design. My strength is being able to say, oh, a uh, character died and they want to sing a funeral song. Okay, let's make a funeral song. Let's make this really sad and let's let's feel this. Let's have a moment. Um, so the intent very much from the get-go was uh, once we decided that this was going to be a podcast, because originally it was just a one-off, but it kept going for too long. Uh, and it, to be a, just a bonus episode. Uh, once we committed and said, this is our show, uh, let's, let's make it really good. And um, I personally am irked by listening to a lot of pauses or explanations or repetition, repetition of information and having had a, been able to cut my teeth on Liberty Vigilance, which is our first actual play mm -hmm. where we did cut out uh, all the the combat role like it, it's basically every round of combat in like 20 seconds or less just sort of narrated with like some screams and gunfire um because it's sci-fi um so we kind of took that mentality added some exciting music and then uh also like liberty vigilance every time a voice actor or every time you encounter an npc we got a voice actor to take that part because i'm i'm a fun actor i'm okay actor but it's much more immersive when you have someone being tortured in front of you and, and screaming out as, as a ghost that's being uh, harassed, then, you know, me, me trying to do that while also trying to have the role of DM and, and other things. It's, it's a bit strange uh, for me anyway, because I'm, I'm not the best actor, so I, I wouldn't try to. Uh, so that, that kind of was the origin of it. And then with the music, um, I, I just kept taking it way too far and, and further and further. <laughs> and then we went to Budapest and recorded an orchestra and a choir and lyrics infernal and Icelandic and German. And that's... <laughs> Keeps expanding. 
it escalated. Final Fantasy composer joined us. <laughs> yes. I'm just gonna say like so that's, that's pretty par on course for mm -hmm. being a dungeon master, and mm -hmm. you just it just keeps escalating and and getting bigger and more like sort of <laughs> almost out of hand. Always I forgot to mention Jeff Goldblum yeah. also joined the cast of Dark Dice, so a lot of people are aware of our show, though they don't know it uh that it's it's our show <laughs> it's yeah some guys at a holiday are like no i recorded it in my mother-in-law's sewing closet that's <laughs> we're still very much small and indie uh but, so yeah, wonderful. yeah and i i wanted to ask about about jeff goldblum he's sort of um like him and keanu reeves are sort of like the internet's boyfriends like everyone just like <laughs> just loves them because they're like they're just they, they seem to be like absolute sweethearts and absolute gems this is true um, and so before his involvement in Dark Dice, I never would have sort of like placed him in the TTRPG world. But once I found out he was involved with the podcast, it was sort of, yeah, of course, like that yeah. makes absolute sense. So um, <laughs> like, did you specifically seek him out or was it one of those things that kind of oh, fell yeah. into place? Oh, oh, so you did. Okay. You went hunting. I, so you, you I went gold clarify, boom hunting. I'm not like anyone important, um, but when you play D&D at home at, with my friends, wherever you lived in Portland, in our friend's basement, which is stereotypical of like, you know, getting together in your friend's basement, mm -hmm. playing D&D, &D, mm -hmm. grabbing donuts and, um, and coffee. So we had this pillow and as a pillow of Jeff Goldblum. So I always thought of him as being around the table because it's just his face smiling. And it's this pillow. And I was like, yeah, of course, this makes total sense. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're going to do a new season sort of thing going up here. Like, well, what could... Um, you know, would he say yes? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he say yes? We're a fun show, right? And he mm -hmm. seems like a fun guy. What if I reach out through, like, how does one do that? So I, you know, you Google searches and then figure out one step, next step, next mm -hmm. step. And then no one ever said no. <laughs> they just kept telling you yes. <laughs> yes, and. and you like, got and yes just, and it into D&D. &D yes, Jeff and. Goldblum. And then, like, he, even, like, while we were playing, like, where's Caitlin? Like, what? <laughs> You're, you're very aware of us, but you also know like our other stuff. You know, my wife, Caitlin, who's also mm -hmm. one of the characters in the show. She's the writer of everything else that we make. Uh, so she got to pop in and say hi. It was, it was really funny. He was, uh, it was so humbling to meet him because uh, mm -hmm. he was also very excited to work with us. And that's usually that's not what you expect, um, but it was, he's a nice guy. And I, I, our experience was stellar and uh, his voice has been on every episode since. That's awesome. Uh, Mary, what do you, I know this is, you know, like you started playing D&D &D because of this podcast. So I'm sure you're, you're chomping at the bit to ask I'm, questions. Well, I'm alternating between nervous and exhausted because it's been a weekend, but um, so I did, I did. I was curious if you have a preference towards DMing or if you prefer to be a player then, just mm. in general, like what's, how did you get to where you're at now and where your preferences are? I have been like the house DM for 20 plus years. I don't know exactly how long. Basically, like I'm almost always the DM just because okay. that's been my role. It's what I'm used to. It's it's kind of very comfortable. I love playing. I, I get to do that once every so often. Every so uh, often, I, I yeah. I think I, I shine better as a DM. Uh, I, I work better because I usually, as a player, I will be too annoying i'll play a character that maybe has a flaw that i lean into a little bit too much or uh things i have a couple of those players yeah so I, that's probably what i i lean and gravitate toward because i story first right that completely makes sense so as far as 
doing kind of horror based themes and things like that. Are there anything like specifically that you would like any tips or advice you would give folks that are wanting to run or play in those horror campaigns? Absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, if there are campaigns, uh, so we've, we've released our first season as a pen and paper adventure and we've released mm -hmm. a couple of other things like that. Uh, we've got like a really cool true necromancer and other classes mm -hmm. and stuff. But if you're, you're playing as a DM and you've got a campaign that's in front of you that you haven't written, uh, a lot of times they'll have some really sharp descriptive text and that can be a really great starting place. I have no mind's eye. I have a medical condition, which most, I think one in five people have called like aphasia where you just don't mm -hmm. see things. When you say, imagine this or mind's eye. Mm -hmm. I saw that on Twitter, I think yesterday, day before something along those lines. I think it's really interesting. I was going to ask you how that plays into DMing as well. Cause that's, that just everything is super visual for me. I've always been that way, so I don't really understand it, I guess. So imagine just not being able to see, <clears throat> like oh, in your in your mind, uh, but only with your eyes. So all your imagination has to be like, um, as you're describing things, it can be really mm -hmm. helpful. So if they have pre-recorded or pre-written descriptive text, that's mm -hmm. a great starting point. And then if you're writing your own campaigns, um, trying to think of what the most important moments are for the session you're coming into and maybe having okay. like, not a paragraph, but a few lines like around maybe what it smells like and think through it ahead of time. Like, okay, what's the situation look like? And then try to use very active words and, and maybe um, instead of it's a house, you see a house, we'll describe mm -hmm. it. Okay. And then maybe never, and, and if you can avoid name dropping your monsters, because once they know it's a ghoul, it's nowhere near as scary as this hairless figure with long fingers, you know, right. moving toward you that smells of, of flesh or whatever, you know, the, the rotting there. Description can be, but description is really your friend in horror okay. and adding tension and all those things. That's yes. I was going to say, you add a name to it and uh, then the metagaming starts. <laughs> the metagaming starts. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, but it, that can help to your favor sometimes, like if it's a rust monster, but uh, more, more often than not, though, it's, it's less, um, you're pulled out once the monster has an, a name, kind of like demons, when you know their true name, it's, it's no longer as scary. Well, yeah, it's like sort of like the uh, I, the Jaws idea. Like you don't see the shark forever because the I, like what you, you know, the unknown is far more terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Like you always, always. think of the worst, something worse than. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know what's more terrifying than a man-eating great white shark. But you know, I'll I'll you know adhere to Steven Spielberg. He's you know more so an expert than I am. I'll admit that much. Um, well, <laughs> I guess I guess. So, what were like some of the difficulties of that of creating and running? Like, where do you run into like hangups and things like that? Um, you really need to play your buy-in. Uh, like that's a very important thing. Everyone's here to go yeah. into a haunted house, get scared, have a good time, get out of the house. Whether or not the character survives, all of us players will leave in theory unharmed. Um, right. There are a lot of tools you can use around um, safety and mental health, et cetera, mm -hmm. which you're probably already talking with other people about who are much more qualified than me. Uh, but the the crux of it is, uh, things that can be really, really, really cool um, to to kind of lean into. No, I forgot the direct question. I was answering the wrong one. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You did the same thing I did. It's fine. Uh, I was trying to remember the exact question you had, though. Was, oh, well, like some of the difficulties and the more what was more complicated about it. Uh, so what is more complicated? Uh, honestly, getting player buy-in. If, if mm -hmm. your players are, are in it to be scared and have mm -hmm. a... And, 
interact in a way that is not like let's be Monty Python and the Holy Grail because um, that can pull you immediately out of the moment if mm-hmm. like every other response is rather comical mm-hmm. uh, it can really get turn a situation from from horrific to uh army of darkness and that's not mm-hmm. bad that could be fun that could be really fun. right but whatever your table wants to do you as a dm should really lean into and if they mm-hmm. don't want to do a really spooky mega ultra dark campaign maybe don't do that uh, but if that's what they're there for you also need to kind of like lean into it and also make sure that you're leaning into things that they're comfortable with being scared right. of and right, right. uh that, was... that can always be the toughest part. And mm-hmm. then also like trying not to tell people again, the names of the monsters. You're like, oh, you're in the room of traps. <laughs> this is the <laughs> death the room. Adventure. It's the TPK room. That's the um, what? Nothing. Whatever. Don't worry about that. That's just a title. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Ex- yeah, exactly. So those are the sorts of things Bad. that are uh, tougher. Um, just maintaining. And then also levity is fine. You can have levity mm-hmm. and you can have humor and you can have all those things by just uh acknowledging them and and including them but uh having your players want like knowing what your players want and then leaning into that instead of trying to form them to your will which which is the opposite that's just the difference between dark dice season one and our our kind of like our our split story with glom and gail and and jeff (laughs) and peter that's a lot Mm -hmm, more mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And, and a guy named dave i've heard about dave Dave, Dave the Magnificent. Yes. I was going to say that that resonates with me because my personal group of friends that I, I play D, uh, D&D with and um, sometimes DM for, they're madcap, you know, zany. Like I try to run a straight like sort of horror, uh, like short adventure for them. Mm-hmm. And like they, they less scream and more this. scary movie, you know? Yes. And, yeah. and so I just sort of had to like, okay, like, that's that's what they want to do and if i right. am willing to do that you know and that's not to say like like well you have to do what your players do you can just be like hey well, you know what i'm not comfortable running that sort of game i want to do something else you know? right um but if that's what you're willing to do then like you said lean into that and mm-hmm. so i've been looking for more you know more comedy based adventures that you know like lean like you said like army of darkness that can still be scary but have a lot more uh leeway for the comedy for the for the hijinks for the zaniness oh absolutely so i've ended up with the um it's a trope absolutely a trope but the dracula dead and loving it version of strahd is what i've ended up with because of my players they're fantastic and a disaster at the same time yes and that can be so glorious it is it really is so what sort of things do you pull your inspiration from and like what inspires and scares you Okay. Uh, scaring me is pretty tough. Um, cause I just, I've been so in it. Um, like horror for me started very, very deeply and like going down the rabbit hole when Same. the blockbuster <laughs> near where I lived went out of business and I bought their horror department, a hundred movies, a hundred dollars. I was like, nice. I will do it's actually this. a really good deal too. It was incredible, but like most <laughs> of them were terrible. And they were like the movies that, <laughs> like the worst <laughs> movies ever. Like, I don't know how they got in there. Like I'd never seen them on the shelf before. Like I, 
I feel like they must have picked some up before. Like they they sold me the the bargain because this was like <laughs> extra bargain, like the well that ate children. Like you won't find the legend. Oh, that, of Bloody that's a Jack. good one. They, they reveal the first dead character and the boom operators in the shot, and it's not supposed to be, and it's not supposed to be funny at all. They're having I, conversations, and the lighting changes. I love garbage horror so much. I really do. It's one of my favorite things. I was gonna say like that might be the one genre where those like that type of quality is often celebrated rather than mm-hmm. derided. And I think yes. it's because when, when they're, when good, when horror is good, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like the the genre of like elevated horror that we're talking mm-hmm. about now, but just, I mean, just ju- horror in general, when it's Broad good, spectrum, yeah. it's, oh, yeah. man, it hits so different and it hits so mm-hmm. hard. For sure. I would say though, uh, best inspiration um, if you can find really good movies, there are lists out there that are just like really good horror movies in the last year. Um, and every mm-hmm. year, some really good ones do come out. Um, I recently enjoyed The Ritual, like about a year ago. That's the, the biggest one that stands out to me. And then there was one, uh, wasn't The Abyss, it was this new underwater one that was on, uh, I think, Amazon Prime uh, movie, where this woman is just underwater and it's it's terrifying. Uh, it was, I think it's just called Underwater, actually. With Kirsten Stewart. Yeah, I believe so. I I may have the name wrong, but uh, that that sounds right. And that was very viscerally terrifying and fun. But also I listened to a lot of the No Sleep podcast and Creepy podcast. Uh, Same. So basically like audio, they have new stories every mm-hmm. every 40 minutes and they've got two hours of content going on every week and it's high quality. So yes, consuming sure. as much as you can in the medium is helpful. And then uh, my biggest inspiration is history. Like I'll go through places and just learn stuff. Like oh wow that that was a thing, ooh that's that's really creepy and disturbing. Why why did we not talk about that? How can I use this in a way that'll be interesting that's, and delightful and creep out my players? That is kind of where I lean into things. Oh my god, it's horrible! I love it so much. Yes. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, so any anywhere you can find inspiration is is great. I usually lean toward the the quicker, easier versions though. Of like I can consume this in under an hour. So books mm-hmm. usually not so much for me because of my time limit on having free time oh yeah Same. really quickly before we move on i as a you know fellow horror nerd i have <laughs> to know like what are like top three in no particular order like favorite horror movies alien uh that's yes. an easy one. yeah yeah uh, the easiest yeah. one right that's that's the easy one i can't like even think of a second like okay alien was really good oh uh mm-hmm. I'll, I'll add the ritual on there because i really enjoyed that that was that was lovely third one uh actually Yes, I, I think um, I also really, I think I just gave you my three also. Uh, underwater was was delightful. Um, those are the three that I can think of right now. I'm sure there are many others that I've also enjoyed. The new It uh, ones were, were fantastic, but I, I can't think going back further, like what uh, what really disturbed me too much. The original Predator, oh, Prey. If you think of it as horror, and if you don't think of it as horror, I don't really think of it as horror, but it also has many horror elements and Absolutely. has a lot of tension, mm-hmm. and it was a very well done movie from the Predator series like it's surprisingly well done and i like i i loved it i thought it was great i am the worst sitting down to consume visual content i very 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 rarely watch anything because i can't sit still oh. i'm not capable well then i, I recommend podcasts because you can take I, yeah i i that's how i got here <laughs> i don't know if you've heard of it but there's this thing called podcasting it's kind of a big deal yeah um, <laughs> speaking of alien have you been have you had a chance to play free leagues alien rpg I have not. It's a I lot of fun. You should, yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. 
my, my problem is I'm, I'm now living in rural Germany and finding players has been because oh. my, my German is not good enough yet. You'll <laughs> get there. Every year. One more. It's just have goals to move towards. So do you prefer a psychological horror as opposed to like the real visceral, real gory? Or uh, is it more of a mixture that does it? I, I like both. I'm, I'm okay. into most things. Uh, our, our general like we, we watch so many horror movies in a given mm -hmm. like month. Um, not, not intentionally, which we, it's like the, the default, like comfort genre, like, oh, the world is terrible. What could be better for us? Terrors that don't exist. Okay. Let's watch a horror <laughs> Controlled movie. terror. Understood. The only thing we're not like super into is you're like, okay, is this, is this someone working through like basically just, this isn't really a horror movie. It's just them like mm -hmm. projecting tra childhood trauma. Like that's mm. not because we don't particularly like it, but just because it usually goes like in a boring direction where it doesn't really become horror anymore. And now we're just like, ah, I had a really terrible childhood growing up. And you're like, ah, yeah, that, I'm really sorry you had a terrible childhood. I wish this movie was scarier. That's usually my <laughs> response. <laughs> I'm like, I, I respect and this is very beautiful, but I, 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 I wish to be scared by something like, like primal. It didn't trip scary. I came here to be scared. Like as a statement, it works, but as a horror mm -hmm. movie, not so much. Yeah, and even creature features can can also be really. Oh, headcount. That's that's on my list. That's on my list. Headcount was super good and endless. Should have just told him ten. Three is a mean number to ask somebody for, Sergio. Three is a mean number because that's that's not very many. Well, I mean, you know, I usually go with ten, but <laughs> easily could have like alien. You know, mm -hmm. there is one more that I also, I just don't remember the name of. And this was like, you asked for the inspiration for for uh, Dark Dice a bit. And mm -hmm. this one had a, a big moment. It's this movie where these kids are with their grandparents. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I don't have a visual memory at all. I have what's called uh, prosopognosia. So I can't remember faces, period. So I don't know what I look like in a mirror or like if I'm not looking at it. Um, so they're with their grandparents, things are going mm -hmm. good. And then uh, the grandparents are really effing creepy, by the way, like really creepy. And near the midway through the film, they call the mom and the mom's like, who's behind you? I'm like, oh, it's grandma and grandpa. Can you take this to the bathroom? Those aren't your grandparents. Just like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love it. But yeah, I don't remember the name of the movie, but that was like, that was the scare most scared I've ever been in a film ever. <laughs> I believe the movie's called The Visit. Maybe you should, you should cancel out like, erase bleep the parts where I, I give spoilers but that's the most the visit is the most scared i've ever been in a movie the the the, the turning point that movie takes it's terrifying i um, remember seeing i think i remember seeing stuff about that one i haven't watched it but i remember the most most of my horror is podcast based that's mm. an m, m. night Shyamalan joint and mm. uh which he is Man, like again, like he's kind of like the perfect horror director because when it hits, it's hits. But when it yeah. when it misses, it's you know, it's it's no bad enough to still be good. I mean, like yeah, like I mean, like I there there are things about it, like you know, watching um signs, like the emotional mm -hmm. aspect of it, like the familial aspect of it, like that's what makes horror like you have to care about the characters for horror to mean anything mm -hmm. oh yeah and it because you don't care about the characters like you know when they're put in peril like what what does it matter right and so i was actually talking about the movie signs yesterday with atticus as a matter of fact so to go just to sort of like spitball off that question mm -hmm. 
you know how you know how important is characterization to your story like you know do you um do you allow your players like just full reign of their characters you sort of guide them in certain ways and sort of give them prompts to maybe like explore so i'm very big into yes and uh, which is an improv thing. So you give somebody something and then they kind of make it their own. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's better than what I was thinking of. But you don't give them all the pieces of information. So like you give somebody a magic stone. It's magical. That's all you know. Okay, it's magic stone. They'll start projecting onto it. And then you can add on top of their projections, your ideas. And then they'll add their ideas. And suddenly this is no longer just a stone. This is a stone that they constantly have in their hand at all times that maybe even appears when they're looking for other items. Maybe it appears when they're trying to do other things. Like for some reason, it's always something. It's always around them. They're gazing at it during camp the, when they're their watch. And then suddenly like four hours have passed. No, 12 hours, 24 hours have passed. The party missed an entire day of their lives because they all fell asleep and didn't wake up until the following day. All their stuff's mm-hmm. still there. What mm-hmm. happened? We don't know. They'll start hypothesizing their ideas can be better. So uh, as someone who, who delves in horror and, and really tries to mess with their players in the, the funnest ways possible, I, I always really lean into their ideas mm-hmm. and giving them open-ended questions that they themselves can push and prod and explore as opposed to this is exactly what you're seeing. Um, I use a sanity mechanic in a way that's not like, prescribing them uh, mental health illnesses. It's more of just uh, you're uncertain about a situation and what you're experiencing. And that allows me as a DM to have a tool to say like, oh yeah, when you uh, total party kill, everyone died. Uh, Okay, you're all back uh, into the room that you all just died in, except there are no enemies. Like what? Yeah, the fight never happened. You're all fine. Oh, you take some stress damage. That's okay. That was all in your head. (laughs) Like, right. Okay, but where's the trap? Like, let's try to avoid the trap that we know is going to take place. Is it going to take place? Let's find out. Let's run it again. So you can really experiment a bit and and play with your players in, in those sorts of ways if you do push it in, in sort of that direction, like the Call of Cthulhu madness mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Uh, you don't have to prescribe to specific hard and fast rules. And the fewer that you prescribe, the more fun you'll find your players will surprise you with um, the things that they might try and do or take your original ideas which may even be so much grander than than you have in mind yes as a dm that's um one of my like the worst things is that when i have an idea my player has a better idea it's like like okay i'm just gonna give up then but uh, yeah but it's also it's one of the worst things also one of the best because like this is exact this is what i do this for this is why mm-hmm. i am doing this yeah those get the i hate you i love it let's go <laughs> okay <laughs> Those are some of my favorite moments, though. Uh, just when you, you when somebody else comes up with an idea, and you're like, "Yeah, I meant that all along. Yes, of course. That's exactly what this is." Projecting <laughs> it, and you picked going. up on my vibes. Yeah. So, which, uh, what moments then? Feeding off that, what moments then have been your favorite to either create or to DM? And were they the ones that you had kind of like planned out plot points, where you know, just kind of vague until they get there, or? Were they more tightly controlled moments or just yes ands, as it were? My favorite moments have been the ones that I generally haven't planned. Um, if I, spoiler territory for like the next minute. Um, so the death of Sister Cavern's fall, just like, mm-hmm. boom. Like I wasn't expecting that. They rolled dice really well. One of the characters is dead. Oh, wow, we have, we have a kill. 
um, mm -hmm. surprise. <laughs> Moving on, you get to like the end of our, our first season and the hero's like, okay, uh, the sacrifice pit below, I've got the last enemy done. I'm gonna like Sparta kick him into the pit. Like the sacrifice pit. Okay, you Sparta kick him into the sacrifice pit, which would be considered a sacrifice which would unleash the, un oh, okay, let's do this. Awesome. <laughs> that was great. Um, world over. Uh, and then like, I, I really enjoyed uh, having an extra player in, in season two and then just like, oh yeah, by the way, Jeff's the silent one. Surprise. <laughs> that, yeah, I was not expecting that. I, I very, very, very much expected it to be Soren, but he's so good at being evil. He is. Um, those have been my favorite planned-ish kind of moments or unplanned mm -hmm. moments. Um, I've also really enjoyed uh, some of the puzzles. I, I love puzzles that will come up later in stuff that we're editing now and mm -hmm. releasing in the future. There's some really great moments there. But I, the favorite moments that I seem to have are the ones where I just let the players talk around a campfire and like they have very real moments and just sort of chat things out and they're they're so beautiful and uh yeah spark real life friendships i love it it's fantastic i have i have like one more question i'm not sure if sergio has anything else i just want to know what your favorite edition is favorite edition um mm -hmm. i like five uh and then if it's like if you're looking to play a tabletop game four is really fun for combat like huh. and, and skills challenges and those sorts of things i would say but that's you really have to think of it as like this is a board game for fun and being people. Yeah. But otherwise, five. Yeah. Five is really where it's at for me. Coming from a third edition and 3.5 mm -hmm. uh like background, uh, and having just completely skipped four and then playing five, like I was absolutely flabbergasted at how like streamlined it was. <laughs> like I even um one of uh one of the members of our community messaged me and he's like hey so like to when i roll like a skill check or uh do i just add like whatever like my modifier is plus my proficiency bonus and and that's it and i'm like that's it he's like that's so easy i'm like it, it's <laughs> almost like you almost like want to be like no it, it can't be it surely it's like i'm missing something easy. <laughs> surely like I'm, I'm missing something and so i i do love the fact that about fifth edition, like it's it's so streamlined and and very easy to play, and which is why I I can only assume like it's you know becomes so yeah it becomes so popular. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, the, same the sort of like you know um us versus them mentality that's so pervasive mm -hmm. in society nowadays is you know unfortunately also in the TTRPG realm. Yeah, and so you've got people saying, oh, like Pathfinder Second Edition is better, and this is better. Like, hey, like just have fun, just play the games mm -hmm. that you want to enjoy and have fun. And if someone is seems like they want something else from their TTRPG experience, that you feel another game might, you know, sort of um, enable scratch that itch. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely yeah. offer that up because, like, mm -hmm. I feel like maybe if you want to play like a sort of like high fantasy, like very customizable like game pathfinder second edition is right up your alley but if you just you know want to just get around the table and like you said play a board game with your friends and have fun like dnd fifth edition is probably your best bet yeah I, I think it's the gateway drug for uh many people because you can just pull them in and it's like what are the rules it doesn't matter there's just some numbers i'll tell you what you need to roll and you'll figure it out over time mm -hmm. okay 
So just do what I can do. Yeah, and here's like three special abilities you've got. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, right. I, I agree with you. You know, I'm when very, I was very, very much a baby in the TTRPGs, I have only played the fifth edition and have only played online, not played in person ever. Hmm. I would say uh, it can be a bit different. And that's quite mm -hmm. fun too. Like home games versus like home games on the internet yeah. versus uh, ones you record for entertainment purposes. They're all a different vibe as well. Yeah. Like the, the purpose setting out is different on each of them too. Uh, a little bit to some degree. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the description as D&D &D 5th edition as, as a gateway because like as a 15 year old, you know, I was listening to MXPX and Blink-182, you know, that, you know, I wouldn't have enjoyed like Husker Du or, um, or Crass, you know, if you had just given it that to me, like right off the bat, I would be like this, I can't, this is unlistenable. I can't listen to this. But you know, it scratched an itch and I was like, I want to learn more about this. And and like I said, hopefully, you know, someone who plays fifth edition, you know, starts to feel that way and explores and mm -hmm. because there are so many good games out there. And I don't understand it's like true. why why folks are, you know, fighting out over it. Just, <laughs> just play the games you want to play. That's it's supposed to be fun. It's a game, y'all. It's a game. I'll add uh, just so people have another one besides by being Pathfinder, uh, the new Avatar Last Airbender. Game yes. also, uh, I say new, it's almost a year old, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's a collective <laughs> storytelling game. So it's like, okay, well, why is the thing important to us? Who is the villain who maybe came here to take it? Like, let's discuss it as right. a party. Let's discuss this as a team. Let's make the story together. It's it's a bit different. It's also quite wonderful and quite that, charming. We that's all exciting. That I, oh, no, I, I got my notification that shipping has begun. And I'm, so I should be getting my physical copy here very soon. And I can't wait to just to open it up and smell it. <laughs> so I was going to say like physical or digital media, like, or both. Um, I am pretty much digital just because I, I live in a small apartment, but mm -hmm. uh, I've got physical books for like everything up to Aver uh, Avernus for like 5e. Like everything in, in hard copy, not like super special copy, but just normal copy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I love I love books, but I'm also much more proficient with control F and then like find the word that I need right. when it comes down to it in a PDF. So I prefer Beyond, uh, also has some issues. Yeah. Love Beyond. As like I, I, I love the convenience of having, you know, the a dozen or more you know, books in my, in the palm of my hand, uh, but uh, several hundred, whatever. Uh, let's not yuck anyone's yum here. Uh, <laughs> but I also, I just, I can't help myself. I, and, and really that's like TTRPG books are really like the only mm -hmm. physical media I still bother with. I don't buy movies. Like, I don't buy Blu-rays or I don't buy, right. I, I buy some vinyl every now and then, but mm -hmm. everything else is digital. Mm -hmm. I just got a copy of Drakenheim. Um, I was, I've been reading that a bit. That's been a fun, uh, another really well put together book. Like literally the whole book, every piece of art follows the same color scheme. And like it, it's this purple because it's, it's the delirium. Um, and it's, it's in everything, even the, the, uh, the color they use for the chapter headings. And I thought oh. that was brilliant on their, on their end. Yeah. That aesthetic is super important. Um, if you're a Mordheim fan from the old Warhammer days, it's, it's such a, it's just like, this is your dream come true. It's such a good uh, book release. And um, I've been 
delving in uh, to the, the pages of it. It's just very beautiful art on almost every page as well. I love books. Just more inspiration. Yeah. Thanks. Books are the best. They're absolutely the best. Um, well, I was going to ask um, if you were to give some sort of um, like hard and fast, like very simple uh, tips for someone who says like, Travis, I want to start a like actual play uh, TTRPG podcast. Like, you know, what are some tips you can give me? What are some of the um, sort of uh, obstacles I will face that are, you know, that mostly like anyone would face uh, to sort of achieve that dream? Starting a TTRPG podcast. So your goal is different. Uh, you need to figure out if you're going to do quantity or quality. That's again, your game. You can do a lot of episodes. You could stream them. That's a separate like release. It's, and they could also do a podcast in addition to, um, or you can do the polished, highly edited thing, or you know, somewhat edited. You can just take out some of the ums and maybe some of the gaps. And you were, oh, I forgot a rule. Oh, 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 that's the rule. And everything between, you can just take out. Mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of figure out where you want to be on the spectrum of of, of differences and and what type of show you're going to be. Uh, then you have to release with frequency, uh, at least monthly. Um, mm. says the guy who releases monthly, <laughs> most shows are weekly. Well, at least, you know, uh, consistently like pick yeah. a schedule and then consistency stick to it. is the key. Right. And even if, if you're like seasonal consistency, that's fine too. You can do like five episodes. Okay. That season's over. We'll be back in three months for season two. Um, that's episode, that's piece one, piece two, uh, getting players and people that, you know, will show up consistently and will be available to record on a consistent basis and that you can trust, rely on. This is your new family. These are the people that you are going to have a deep like relationship with mm -hmm. that is, is almost to the nature of like a sibling or a spouse. Like these people will be with you for a long time, long, 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 long time, assuming that you continue to do this for any duration. Uh, and then thing three, make sure that everyone at the table is aware of the same goal, whether that's you're all going to make a show because you want to make a show to have fun and you just want to record it for yourselves and maybe one or two people listen, you're going to record it with the intent, direct purpose of entertaining people. Mm -hmm. So that's a different style of game than just for us, the just for us games, like a home game. What sort of tools you'll be using. So if there's going to be like, um, like a roll 20 or some sort of visual element to it, components that you're going to be using or not. It's all theater of the mind or using minis and you're around an actual physical table with microphones around the table or one microphone around the table. So like these are the sorts of decisions you want to be coming up with and, and establishing with your players and like what's what's safe for them to do, what's comfortable mm -hmm. for them to do. Is this a yes and thing or is this very much you're trying to tell a story and they're part of the vehicle through which the story is told or is this a collective story that you're all telling? Um, so those are the sorts of buy-ins that you'll you'll want from this this new family of yours for this strange new creature that's about to be unleashed upon the world once the ritual is complete and your record button is is hit stopped. Mary, you said you had one more question. Let's go. That ahead was and... it. That I was it. I, I stole ah, a question. I, no, I needed to know about the. Uh, I just want to know about the edition because I'm nosy and I always ask people uh. what editions they've uh, been involved <laughs> with. That was oh, it. I, I played a bunch. I played. Uh, Basically everything from from second up, I, I I was at the end of second, like right when third came out. That's mm -hmm. when I got into physical pen and paper version uh, of stuff. So I, I really know three. Three is like my my comfort back in the day. Hard say. And then three point five, and it came with a CD too. It came with a CD, so you can make the character sheet digitally. 
on your computer mm -hmm. if your computer could read CDs and it wasn't a floppy drive. Um, the future oh, We've gone now. past that again and mine does not read CDs anymore. Uh, yeah. Like I passed that to the next <laughs> phase. I had to get like a portable like plug-in drive. Yeah. ROM drive, yeah. And then uh, we we kind of go uh, four. I, I did a little bit. I had a lot of fun. Again, four is very creative, but it, it does mm -hmm. the tabletop version of four is is really uh, to die for. If you've got a great team, it can be so fun. And then also, I played a lot of Pathfinder. I played so much Pathfinder because for a long time, three point five was um, less exciting than Pathfinder. And then uh, fifth came out, and it was kind of. Uh, the easier version of 3.5 and Pathfinder mm -hmm. that is doesn't require you to min-max or doesn't require you to add an extra monster just for the one player who did as a right. DM. Mm -hmm. So basically anyone can sort of walk that guy. character and then that's <laughs> I, I know. Oh man. Always so yeah, that's those are the additions that I've, I've had fun. I also played a little bit of GURPS, um, which is a very, very intensive system to play. Uh, a little bit of hero system as well, and, and a couple of uh, the Call of Cthulhu. I think through Fate, Fate system was before it was the Call of Cthulhu one came out as using Fate, which was really fun too. On D10s. Just all over the place. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you'd like to um, leave us off with? Uh, anything you'd like to like plug? I, like I say, you have a new show coming out that's debuting next week. You want to mention that one one more time? Sure. If you want to check out The Boar Night, it is fantastic. Uh, uh, music and daring. Uh, family friendly, but also like good enough for the people who are older uh, and actually really enjoy it, even without kids. I, I would listen to it on my own because it's it's just something happy in, in our darkest timeline. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, I will add one other uh, recommendation I have released uh, with my friends, Kyle Linder and Nausicaa Enrique. We have made the True Necromancer class, which is available on the DMs Guild. Um, it is very fun. Uh, I was very underwhelmed with the current actual true necromancer, mm -hmm. like the necromancer mm -hmm. playable wizard that you can yeah. play in 5e. So we sought out to make one that was much more intense. And you can take the path of, of bone or the path of uh, flesh or the path of spirits and really get deep into the necromantic arts because inside every person there's a skeleton waiting to get out i want that on a shirt <laughs> we'll definitely leave and uh have a link to that mm -hmm. in the dms guild in the show yes. notes as well as a link to um domain of the nameless god which uh, was a recommendation we do a dms guild yeah. of the week like at pick mm -hmm. every week because like mm -hmm. you know that's the one of the best things about you know, TTRPGs and D&D &D mm -hmm. in particular is like homebrew. Like you can make it your own. You can, yes. you know, adapt it and change it in any way possible and seeing the creative ways that people do that, ways to, to change the game and, and make it their own is the creativity is is, is amazing. It's, it's it's humbling, really, that mm -hmm. folks would put forth the effort and to to help other people's games mm -hmm. like that. I've got a bunch of minis as well that had been done fairly recently. Kickstarter's been all over Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I've, uh, shout outs. So our Kickstarter just finished for the mm -hmm. miniature line for the first and second seasons of Dark Dice. They're gonna be a thing now officially. I'm extremely excited about those. Those will be printed exciting. and shipped out to our lovely backers. Yes. Um, and also our uh, Grammy submitted album, uh, Season of the All Shadow. So if you want to hear 
orchestral haunts for your games, like really good background music for while you're playing for like lore drops mm -hmm. for exploration and for battles and combat. You've got songs again by the Final Fantasy composer Sakamoto. So um, amazing. Brilliant work. And I'm saying that not as the composer, I'm just the guy who put it together. So say like, yeah, he, I heard he does good work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things. Yeah. Also Jeff's on the album at one point somewhere singing. Oh, awesome. Because love all the musical numbers i really do i'm a sucker for musicals <laughs> and horror which is not they don't always bleed together evil dead the musical is also a recommendation but it's okay. not a horror it, it's just if you sit any row that's not behind like the, the sixth row you're gonna get covered in blood that's just how it works you're in the splash zone essentially that sounds wonderful <laughs> well again thank you so much for joining us thank you and, so uh, much you know best you know to the best of you like you're your work speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. It's it's impeccable, Absolutely. and and it's thank relevant. you for uh, thank you for creating it. Yes, absolutely, very much so. So there you have it. Our discussion with the multi-talented Travis Benegroff. We hope that. You were able to glean some information, either yes. just about horror in general, you know, specifically, or anything TTRPG related yeah. in general. It's always fun to talk to creators and and sort of figure out like one, like what, like what inspired them to go down that path, and to hear their advice, you know, for someone who you know might want to do the same. Exactly, because exactly. you know, the lore cast concerned about lore, but also. Well, that other stuff comes into play as well and it's good to get to pull some of that you know homebrew magic items of the week yes. or you know and we always have a dm's guild corner of you know pick corner pick of the week right and so like very much about the lore but very much about you know making the game as fun as possible and mm -hmm. a lot of that comes from the community itself it and, does and what they create what we create yes so we hope you enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed uh, the latest installment of D&D Lorecast Presents. We hope to have the next one here shortly. And until uh, until then, my name is Sergio. And I am. Fairly well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.